How many of you know that some actions do not deserve forgiveness? Is that true or false? I'm not going to answer that. Some actions do not deserve forgiveness, true or false. Some anonymous source has said this, and I quote, If you're mad about people receiving forgiveness without earning it, I have some terrible news about Jesus. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to begin a brand new teaching during this particular session. It's taken from the book of Luke, chapter 23. And I'm going to be reading one verse in your hearing in just a few moments. It's a message titled, Am I a Forgiver? Are you a forgiver? Are you? Do you consider yourself a forgiver? What would your friends say about you? Would they consider you a forgiver? Hey, here's one even better than that. What would your enemies say about you? If asked that question, is Terry a forgiver? What would my enemies say? Well, that's what we're going to deal with. Again, we're going to Luke chapter 23, and I'm going to read that in just a sec. Before I do, I want to remind you of something really spiffy. It's going to be taking place last weekend in January. We call it Youth Awakening. If you have some youth, I would encourage you to send them to us over the weekend. Youth Awakening is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal. Uh, it is a paid event. And uh, there's some contact information there on the screen. If you'd give us a holler, we'll try to help you get registered for that. It's a fantastic time of encouragement and spiritual teaching and discipleship for teenagers, ages 12 to 18-ish. And even some of you adults could get in on this if you're interested in helping out. Uh, we might be able to, to hook you up as well. Again, that's the last weekend in January. Let's get back to the message. Go with me to Luke chapter 23. going to read one verse in your hearing, and that's verse number 34. The record puts it this way. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for each one listening into this telecast by whatever means. Lord, I pray for that one out there tonight that perhaps they turned us on by accident or perhaps just scanning the channels and they come across us and it was no accident. It was a divine appointment. I pray that you would speak to their hearts by your word and we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hey, you hang on. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. I felt, uh, seems like I've been telling you what I'm about to tell you for the last couple of months. You know I'm a rather passionate person. I get all excited and uh, get excited about sharing, preaching. I always do. Been doing this for a long time. Still get excited. Still have butterflies this morning. 
and still anxious to get going. But for the last couple of months, I've just experienced some really kind of unusual leadings in terms of the services on Sunday morning. The Lord's been moving. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. He has been. And today, this, this particular message has just been uh, unique in the way it has come to me. And uh, hopefully that will come across as we convey it to you. I want to call your attention again to chapter 23. And verse 34 is actually our text verse for this message that we've titled, Am I a Forgiver? I trust you'll ask yourself that question this morning. Am I a forgiver? Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And I'm going to stop right there. Let me remind you again, these words were expressed by Jesus himself as he was sacrificing his life, as he was yielding his life's blood nailed to a tree. To say that this was a cruel execution is an understatement, a masterpiece of understatement. Imagine at the very moment that your skin was being brutally ripped and your muscles severed and even your bones crushed. And I'm not doing it justice, to be honest with you, but imagine at that very time Jesus still breathes out utterances of forgiveness. Now, they tell us that this execution was really intended to suffocate one. You couldn't catch your breath the way they had you nailed to the cross, and you could kind of push up on your feet a little bit, and he would probably have to push up on his feet, catch his breath, and breathe these utterances of forgiveness. By contrast, fast forward to 2022. There are times when in modern-day America, and you see it all the time if you peruse such theological masterpieces as Facebook. In these modern times, modern-day America, persons are killed simply because they cut the perpetrator off in rush hour traffic. I'll learn you to cut me off. Bam! Now, it is irrefutably true, not because I said so, but because of what Christ says. Those Roman soldiers nailing him, nailed him to the cross and guarded him on the cross, and their cohorts in this whole ordeal, the leaders of Jesus' own people, his own people, the Israelites, they had no idea the repercussions of their actions. They thought they were doing God a favor, not realizing that as they dealt with Jesus' blood, and have you ever thought about these Roman soldiers as they pounded those nails through his hands, through his feet, his riven side, that the blood that flowed was the blood that bought their salvation? Isn't that a thought? But they were oblivious. Number one on your study notes, beloved, this remains true. In many respects, remains true even today. I would say that the average American, and I'm being nice, the average American, and sadly, far too many church affiliates. Let me tell you what I mean by a church affiliate. Hey, I'm Terry. Who are you? I'm Joe Blow. Hey, Joe, are you connected to a church? Yes, I am a faithful church attender. I go faithfully every Easter and every Christmas. Affiliated with 
the church. Far too many church affiliates are clueless when it comes to a lifestyle of being a forgiver. A lifestyle. Hey, this would be a good place for me to pose a question for you. Are you up for that? All right, how many of you are really here this morning? Can I see your hand? Yeah. It's getting cool. The leaves are turning. We get a little drowsy this time of the year, don't we? But here's the question. Do you consider yourself a forgiver? Do you consider yourself a forgiver, a forgiving type person? Is that part of your uh, makeup, your characteristic? Perhaps it would be better to ask your friends that question about you. I wonder if, they, if you'd get the same response. Or for those of you that are married, it might be a good idea to ask your spouse about you. Are they a forgiving person? Consider this with me. That which precipitates forgiveness is some form of hurt or injury, be it physically or emotionally, or even spiritually. Have you ever been spiritually hurt or injured? I have. Now listen, if the cause were some sort of sensory euphoria, then we'd all be praying for such opportunities. We'd get a day hoping that we'd be involved in some kind of equation that involved forgiveness. But it's not something that brings to a sensory euphoria, typically. Hurt. Everybody say hurt. Hurt. Everybody say it out loud. Hurt. Come on, work with me. We'll never get out of here. Hurt in its various forms. Watch this, including the pain, including the burden, including the shame, including the guilt of sin. Hurt is the reason forgiveness was birthed. For it is the one balm, and you'll have to pardon my Satsapaha accent sometime. I'm talking B-A-L-M. Bomb. It's the one bomb that can relieve and heal. Whether again, whether it's something physical, a physical malady, or an emotional malady, or even a spiritually uh, inflicted malady. These uncomfortable afflictions range from the smallest slight. You understand slight? Have you ever been slighted? Something like a dirty look, maybe. They range from the, the smallest slight to the most colossal of betrayals. A couple of years ago, some of you know that I keep score for the Martinsville High School basketball team. We had a big game, big rivalry game over at Magna Vista High School. I think we won that night. Uh, no, never mind. Anyhow, during the contest, one of the officials made a bonehead call. And I started to write it down in the scorebook. And all of a sudden, and, and let me tell you, half of Henry County was there. I'm not kidding you. The official come over to the scores table where I was volunteering to keep score and pretty much took me to task because I made a face at him. I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Official. This is the only face I have. You'll have to live with it. I, I mean, I do, you know. 
But apparently he thought I gave him some kind of look. Ironically, when it comes to such infractions, often the perpetrator is clueless. The perpetrator is clueless. But if you're the one on the receiving end of even a dirty look or some other betrayal, if you're on the receiving end, such a thing, such an occasion can be a life-altering experience. Are you with me? Isn't that true? Well, the Lord must really be working in here this morning. It's quiet as a funeral home, isn't it? Let me tell you another story. When I was in, I think I was in the seventh grade. I'm not sure. But we had been out for physical education. We called it play period back then. I don't know if they still have play period. And I had on my token gym shorts and my little Eli Whitney gym shirt and my red Chuck Taylors and white sock with a red ring on them pulled up to here, going into the gymnasium, headed to the locker room. And behind me was a couple of teachers, both of whom I, I love dearly. I love them. They love me. I always enjoyed my teachers. I'm not sure they'd say the same about me, but I heard one saying to the other, look at that Terry Knight, and he has got the skinniest little legs. <laughs> Man, I went in the locker room, look around like... Well, they go from behind in to the floor. What's the problem here? So, uh, and now I, I was checking out the other guys. That's back when you could do that. <laughs> and uh, like, hey, let me tell you, it was about 20 years before I could start, uh, start wearing short sleeve breeches again. You know what I'm saying? Those that sometimes we don't even realize what we're doing when we say certain things to certain people, even something that's overheard and should not be. Now, beloved, I told you that, and I'm taking kind of a lighthearted approach to this, but that pales in comparison to a trusted parent or a trusted mentor abusing you. There's a very good possibility somebody here live and in person today knows exactly what I'm talking about. There is no doubt in my mind there's somebody by way of live stream audience or our television broadcast later on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or perhaps there's someone you thought had your back and ultimately they went behind your back. You ever had that experience? Well, what about this one? What about a seasoned saint Somebody that you really look up to and suddenly, uncharacteristically, they prove their humanity. Listen to me, New Life. They prove their humanity and you happen to be close enough by when that happens that some of it splashes all over you. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I'm headed to number two on your notes. What is is that thing, what is that thing that prompts a person to be a forgiver like Jesus? Even when abused, the scriptures are very clear about the, the abuse that Jesus was suffering during this particular occasion of our, our text passage. Even when, uh, even when sneered at or mocked or ridiculed, knowing that he was innocent. What is that thing that prompts a person to be a forgiver? How many of you know that some actions do not deserve forgiveness? Is that true or false? I'm not going to answer that. Some actions do not deserve forgiveness, true or false. 
Some anonymous source has said this, and I quote, If you're mad about people receiving forgiveness without earning it, I have some terrible news about Jesus. That's good right there. I don't care who you are. When I began to ponder the subject of forgive, forgiving, forgiveness, several things come to my spirit. In the day-to-day routines of life, how many of you had a day-to-day routine sometime this week? Would you all lift your hand? Yeah. In the day-to-day routines of life, I, apostasy, and you will either be in need of being forgiven for something that we did or didn't do or in need of displaying forgiveness toward another for something they did or didn't do to or for us. Isn't it true? It's nearly a moment-by-moment wrestling match within our spirit. You know, seldom it is that you go days or weeks without experiencing this. In fact, seldom it is that you go through an entire day, through hours, without experiencing what I'm talking about. So again, what is that thing that prompts a person to be a forgiver? I'm going to answer it like this. You'll need to stick with me. I'm going around my elbow to get to my thumb, but I trust this will make sense to you. I'm going to answer it uh, based on uh, a writing by a gentleman that I just discovered. His name's Thomas Pfeiffer, F-I-F-F-E-R, Thomas Pfeiffer. I don't know him, but I like what he had to say about forgiveness. He offers four types or four kinds of of forgiveness. This is number three on your study notes, and that's a weird-looking little note. Stick with me. Click or stay with me here. First of all, there's unconditional forgiveness. Everybody say unconditional. Unconditional. Quote from Mr. Pfeiffer, the highest type of forgiveness we can offer someone who has hurt us. To forgive this way means we stop basing our actions, our thoughts, and our feelings on what the other person said or did to hurt us. And we do not attach any conditions to resuming the relationship as it was before the hurt. He goes on to say, we give the offender a fresh start. Dispense with any resentment and go about things as if the hurt never happened. Unconditional forgiveness. Secondly, it's conditional Conditional goes in that second little line there. Pfeiffer offers to forgive this way means a way forward, listen to this, out of the broken place that requires constant maintenance on the offender's part and constant vigilance on yours as a forgiver. He uh, quotes one of my favorite political characters, President Ronald Reagan, who said, used uh, this when describing A nuclear arms treaty with the former Soviet Union said, and I quote, trust but verify. Remember that one? Trust but verify. Conditional forgiveness is appropriate when your level of trust in the person who hurt you is not yet high enough to grant unconditional forgiveness. And it can serve as a stepping stone, can serve as a stepping stone to the latter, conditional. Thirdly, the writer puts forth 
dismissive forgiveness. Unconditional, conditional, dismissive forgiveness. Pfeiffer suggests this is the lowest type of forgiveness. Taking a whatever attitude towards the hurt and just moving on with your life in a positive direction. You understand what he's saying? You're hurt, you just whatever, and you attempt to just move on. Dismissive forgiveness often involves terminating or dramatically reducing the closeness of a relationship and may involve a life change such as quitting a job with a difficult boss or deciding to leave a dysfunctional marriage, which I suggest to you, New Life, merits some weighty counsel. Have you ever stopped to consider, most of you wouldn't because you've never had to deal with it, but have you ever stopped to consider that many relationships and many homes could have been salvaged but for the lack of wise spiritual counsel? Hey, let me just say parenthetically, if you're having a problem in that, that area, seek out some wise spiritual counsel. Don't go the way of the world. Do it like Jesus chasers. Seek some wise spiritual counsel. You may be surprised what could happen. And then Pfeiffer closes with this, grace, grace. There is grace. Grace is of an entirely different order than the other three types of forgiveness. He says grace is not ours to grant but God's. Isn't that true? It's not ours to grant but God's. For believers, God is the ultimate forgiver. Pfeiffer says, and at least for me, and I'm going to add myself to that, uh, that notion, the one to whom we are ultimately accountable, God's the one we are ultimately accountable for our transgressions. I laid that before you, headed to number four on your notes, to begin to answer our question, what is that thing? Here it is. Consider with me. Such a forgiving spirit comes forth from those who have themselves been forgiven. Another great place for me to ask you a question. Have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven of your multitude of sins, weaknesses, faults, shortcomings, even stupid sins? Anybody here this morning guilty of a stupid sin? Don't say amen. But forgiven. Listen to this. This is coming from a Bible commentary. I seem like I'm doing a lot of reading this morning. Maybe that's why this was such a weird leading for me. But I felt like people needed to hear these things. Uh, here we go. What then are God's good deeds? What are God's good deeds? He created us from nothing. He made the whole visible world for us, the heaven, the sea, the earth, animals, plants, and seeds. I must be brief, says the commentator, because of the infinite number of his works into us alone. Of all that are on the earth, he breathed a living soul. He planted a garden for us. He gave us a helpmate and set us over all the brute species and crowned us with glory and honor. And yet, after all this, when humanity turned out ungrateful toward its benefactor, he thought us worthy of an even greater gift, forgiveness. Can you say amen right there? Hey, listen to this. Good Forgivers 
Look at your neighbor and say, good forgivers. Good forgivers. Some of them might have had that look on their face. Good forgivers take all of this to heart. The fact that we've been forgiven. That's a huge part of this equation. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There is a little bit more to this. We'll look forward to sharing it with you next week, the Lord willing. Let me wrap up. Let me put a period on it tonight by answering this question. What makes a good forgiver? A good forgiving spirit begins with a person that has themselves been forgiven. They've been forgiven of much, so it's easier for them to be a forgiver. Let me ask you, have you been forgiven of your sins? Have you opened up your heart's door, confessed to God, admitted to God that you have sin in your life and you've surrendered that to Him and He has forgiven you and you know that you know that you know that you have been sweetly forgiven. Boy, doesn't that help us to be a forgiver? We take our multitude, our mountain of sin. I'm talking to somebody out there right now. I trust the Holy Spirit would really penetrate your heart with this. You've been forgiven of a lot of sin. You know that that behooves us to become a forgiver. And there may be someone listening right now You've got a mountain of sin. You haven't been forgiven. And you're just wanting to make everybody else pay the price. You are a bitter person. You're holding on to grudges and things that have, been, uh, that have either taken place around you or to you. You're holding on to that. You're not much of a forgiver. And your life is just becoming more miserable by the moment. Listen, there's a better way to live than that. I'm here to tell you there's a better way to live. You can let go of your sins. You can let go of those injuries. And the, the, our gracious Heavenly Father will bring His forgiveness to you, forgive you of your sin, and place that within your heart that will enable you to become a forgiver as well. That's my prayer for you. That's my challenge for you from this particular session. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each one listening into this program. Oh, Lord, I know that all of us, all of us have sinned and fall short of your glory. All of us. All of us have done things that probably didn't please somebody. All of us have had things to happen to us that have given us opportunities to hold on to grudges and not be a forgiving person. But I pray that you would remind us of your forgiveness and, Lord, enable us from the inside out to become forgiving people, to live our life that way that we might be set free from the bondages and the burden of hanging on to that bitterness and that injury. We pray, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. I want to remind you one more time that we do have a regular schedule of activities here at New Life beginning Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have Family Ministries Night Wednesday night at 7, something for the little kids something for the teenagers, which really happens to be uh, rolling right about now. And we uh, have something for our adults as well. We call them small groups, CNC groups, care and compassion groups, 
7 o'clock on Wednesday night. Do be reminded of our Youth Awakening coming up in January. This is not just something for new lifers. It is a community-wide. Actually, there are people travel quite some ways, uh, several hours, to be here for this event, and we would love for your youth to be able to take part as well. Hopefully, we'll send them back home better equipped to be about the Lord's work. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church. I want to extend to you a great week and remind you, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Mm -hmm.